This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London Weekend Review. And I'm Billy Grant. I'm sitting here after the game against Brighton in which we lost 1-0. And I'm sitting here with my chums, Dave Laney Lane. How are you? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, plenty to talk about. Tasted defeat for the first time. Not sure I like it, but uh, it's good to chew the fat the morning after. So, yeah, looking forward to this little chinwag. Definitely. We've also got in the house Simon Radford. How you doing, Simon? Yeah, not too bad, all things considered. You know, it's, uh, I didn't think it would uh, it would be this much of a setback losing a game because you expect to lose a lot, right? But lot, as, as Dave said, lots to talk about. Definitely lots to talk about. So listen, we're going to go through our weekend review podcast as it is. Very, very simple. We'll just go through a number of points for the game and we'll just get our thoughts on that. So listen, Laney, what was your main takeaway from that game? Main takeaway is the reality that everyone had been telling us, you know, if you don't take your chances and uh, this, at this division, you're going to get punished. So it was kind of listening to experienced fans, people that have been here, established premiership clubs and, and, and listening from how they've learned. So, uh, you know, Palace fans have said it to us, you know, you play well, you've got to take your chances. Brighton fans warned before, you know, you can soak it up, but you got to take your chances. Um, as well as we, as well as we defended, which we did, um, you know, we we were wasteful up top. And a couple of those, if luck goes our way, uh, you know, we 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 win that game as well. So yeah, I think it was a realization that you know we're not going to go undefeated forever. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it was a, li- a little bit of a wake up call, I'd say. I mean, were you? I was going to use the word. I mean, the thing is, again, I'm going to come back to in the pre-match podcast. I said that this was a must-win game, and we didn't win. And uh, I mean, were you gutted afterwards? No, no, I wasn't gutted. I was just, you know, it was it was an unusual feeling. We haven't lost, and I haven't seen us lose in person for for you know probably two years. Cardiff away was the last time that we actually saw our team lose, which was on the twenty second, I think it was of uh, of it might be Cardiff away or Luton away, one of those those two, which is in in, in February. Luton, yeah, we drew, we we drew the we drew the Cardiff game, so yeah, it would have been Luton. So yeah, a, a long time ago. So uh, yeah, um, no, I wouldn't say gutted. Um, obviously, we have to take the positives out of that. 
you know, we that, that's all we can do. We have to learn. You know, it's a cliche. We do have to learn from these defeats. You know, some team sometimes we're going to be outclassed, and sometimes we've got ourselves to, to blame. We're going to be kicking ourselves. Uh, I think yesterday was kicking ourselves a little bit. Simon, I mean, what was your main takeaway from that game? I mean, not too dissimilar from from Dave in the fact that obviously, sort of, the main theme is taking our chances, but also it kind of just to add maybe to that point is the way that we set up is we kind of play what I would call like low volatility football. Like it's not like a basketball game where we're opening up ourselves at the back and going forward and trying to outscore the opposition. Like with um with our three at the back and with three sort of combative midfielders, we're going to be in every game. Um, and in fact, we won on XG and the battle of the XG against Tony Bloom is also in that in that world. But when you've got sort of, I think it was 0.69 to 0.23 to us on XG. But if that's the case, if someone takes a goal on their end, you really got to make sure you take goals on our end because, and then I think, you know, we talk about a lot about luck. I think in another world, Brian would have got one or two of those chances and we'd be sitting here talking about a 1-0 win rather than a 1-0 loss. So I think it's easy to, you know, to lose and be a bit sort of, oh, it's all a disaster. But I think what it shows today's point is, if we took our chances, we'd have be having a very different conversation. Yeah, interesting. I mean, you talk about the XG. I mean, for me, the main takeaway, I suppose, is just, uh, you know, the opposition, all the opposition always have a player, you know, one player who can just destroy you, who can, who, who can kill you. And I thought in that game, even though uh, I thought we contained them, for pretty much for 90 minutes, they had one, they didn't have a shot, really, actually. I've checked it, like I said, looked at the XG, I mean, for me, the XG actually, and the guy, no, a lot of people don't particularly like XG, but like I said, it's a really good indicator. And I was on the Brighton Rock podcast beforehand, I was also on the uh, the Albion Raw podcast, and they were laughing, saying, because it's Brentford and Brighton, we're both into stats, it's going to be like a really high XG game. And I laugh, saying, and it's going to be no goals. And the irony is, like I said, I've got the XG was 0.48 for Brentford, and 0.17 for Brighton, and uh, all their sort of main, their main SG just came from, I think, from 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 one chance. So, so one in, sort of almost one in ten, one in two in ten, you know. Whereas most of ours actually came from Brian and Bumo's chance, which is 26 percent as well. You know, um, one of his three chances that he missed sort of quite early on. So for me, just realizing, you know, that Trossard, who was one of the players that you looked at, you thought he's quite he's quite dangerous this person, but we managed to contain them, give him a minute. And they'll score. So for us, uh, you know, this may come down to a number of things which we might talk about later, but that was my main takeaway. But just coming back to the game again, Brentford eye catcher, and give us a marks out of 10. Who is the player for you, Laney? I'm probably going to go Christopher Ayer. Um, I, th- I thought he was very, really strong at the back. He looked composed. His partnership with Pontus is, is really, like, you know, solid, I think. Um, and then the way they kind of the way, the way he kind of comes over when uh, when Sergi's pushing forward. I thought Sergi caught the eye a bit, but no, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll go Christopher Ayer. Uh, it, it just because you know he, he really does epitomise the way we play. You know, he, he covers for when the wing back goes forward, and he also gets forward himself when when sort of uh, you know just to kind of rotate. So yeah, Christopher Ayer. I'm very impressed with that signing. And give us uh, marks out of ten. Um, probably uh, 7.5 out of 10, I'd say. Okay, 7.5. Simon? So there's obviously a bunch of people you could pick. I mean, it's really boring to say Ivan, right? But he had another really good game. You could almost pick him every week. thought Rico had a really good game. But I'd probably go, and I'm probably cheating a little bit here, I'd probably go for Baptiste for at least the first 70, 75 minutes of the game when I think he tired. But in those 70, 75 minutes, he looked really exciting, like someone who could really hold down that third central midfield role and someone who could really help us burst forward from midfield and maybe link up play with 
with Brian and Ivan. So I, I give them a, a seven out of ten, um, but and probably cheating a bit in terms of probably not the last twenty minutes when he got a bit knackered. But yeah, I thought Baptiste was looked really promising for us. That's interesting as well. I went with um, obviously I go with my daughter every game, and she came with one of her friends, another Bella, actually her mate Bella, and I asked her at the in the pub afterwards who was her favourite Brentford player, who, which player she thought plays best, and she said Baptiste as well. And she has not got rose tinted glasses like us. She just saw it as it is as a twelve year old. So that was quite an interesting uh, um, observation from her. For me. Uh, I think it was, I thought, again, we come down to the man, <laughs> the man mountain that he is, Yenelt as well. I thought he had a great game and I think, you know, he did what Yenelt does. You know, he should have scored a goal. You know, he, he got a goal that was parried by the goalkeeper nearly on half time. But on top of that as well, you know, it shows that when he went off, you know, we suffered a little bit of slump. Not saying it's all just about him, but I think he's a massive key player. What's your, what's your out of 10, Bill? What's your out of 10? Sorry, I'm going to give him 8 out of 10 for the Yenelt as well, because he, I think he's, he is such a key player for us. Going to Brighton, the danger person for Brighton, um, Simon. Well, I think everyone's been hyping up Bissouma, right? Saying he was, I mean, I think Liverpool were linked with him. Everyone was saying he was world-class, but he was really, really good, wasn't he? I mean, I I think kind of in the centre midfield, he really, really caught the eye. And then I think Trossard even, even, you know, obviously scored the goal. So it's an obvious thing to say, but I think he did look the most dangerous. I think, for example, I think Neil had quite a quiet day. I think Trossard was the one who... When he got the ball in the final third, you you were a little bit more worried about. So I'd I'd say Trossard and Basuma stood out for me. Yeah, you you can't really look past Basuma. Not really, I don't think. I thought he was he was the player on the pitch. Uh, I I thought yeah, you know you can see why big clubs are in for him. Bigger clubs are in for him. Um, I thought Sanchez in goal, Brighton. I thought he looked. Um, absolutely perfect I don't think he looked like we were going to get anything past him um, so yeah I know but yeah and Trossard obviously you know he, he, he grew into the game probably when Yanel went off so uh, uh, but yeah Basuma all day long for me and for me as well it sounds like we've been all talking to each other I mean there's the two players that, I, that, that stood out for me from day one or I'll say from day one from the first minute anyway that's Trossard and Basuma Basuma was the person that was getting involved he was doing the box to box he was, he was full of energy breaking us down I thought he's a great player and I guess you got to the stage where I said he's actually really annoying me because uh, he was the kind of player that you were trying to do things and he just wasn't allowing you to do things and he was just getting in the way and he was you know he was just lively so 100% it's Basuma for me as well even though Trossard like I said to you was the other player who I thought you know was the one and and, and again say it or the Dutchman who was beside me said it as soon as he got that ball on the edge of the bear area and he just turned around before he even struck it I went to Dutchman it's in and then it hit the back of the net. So that that Trossard moment was was quite annoying. But just Simon, just give us a marks out of ten for Basuma. I think he, he was an eight and a half for me. Okay, Laney. Yeah, uh, an eight for me. Yeah, eight for you. And for me, I'm going to give him an eight. Uh, I'm going to give him an eight and a half out of ten. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give. Him, I'm going to give him an eight out of ten. Actually, I'm going to give him an eight out of ten. Let's come to and let's talk about this because you know, obviously, we've talked about the uh, the player of the the match for Brighton. But I would like to know what your stinker of the match. And the stinker of the match doesn't necessarily be on the pitch. It could be anywhere. It could be before. We're talking about the whole day's experience now. So just give me your stinker of the match. It sounds a little bit grumpy, old man, um, which I probably am. Um, It's going to be the referee again. Um, I, he, I thought it was okay. He seems to be giving us quite a lot of decisions early on. I thought Canos could have got sent off um, for, for that uh, arm challenge. 
um, early on. Um, so I thought a yellow card was, I breathed a bit of a sigh of relief there. There was also a time where uh, he had no idea who to give a throw into, so he gave it to us. Um, and there was one or two others that I thought he, he let play on um, and he gave us the advantage a little bit. But his second half, maybe because we were a bit closer to him, um, I, I thought that uh, um, he just he, he just lost it. Um, so, yeah, the referee. I know it's a bit of bit of an easy one to blame the ref for everything, but I, 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 there's a couple of games recently I've, I've thought, you know, I've been a bit sort of surprised about the lack of uh, consistency. So, and if you check the, the, the post-match podcast, which we do in the stands and also in the pubs afterwards, we talked to Brentford and Brighton fans as well. And interestingly, both sets of fans, I think, talked about the referee and said that the referee didn't do either set of teams uh, any justice because he was so poor. So I think it's a bit of a common consensus that the referee, as uh, we both sang from both ends, Brentford and Brighton, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, he certainly didn't seem to know what he's doing. Um, uh, marks out of 10 ref, uh, for the ref, Laney? In, in badness or in goodness. So like the high, the high number is... is... Yeah, so, so, so how stinky how stinky was he? I mean, 10 would be properly stinky. Oh, he, he, he was probably a seven. Yeah, I mean, most refs are about six anyway, aren't they? So, yeah, seven. <laughs> okay. And Simon, give us a stinker. Well, Dave, Dave stole mine. Um, but I would say what he said was that um, the ref allowed play to, to go on a couple of times and gave us some advantage. But there was one particularly which made me want to tear my hair out when he didn't give the advantage, when Brian was sort of one-on-one with the last defender and then called it back for a foul to us. And I w- it was infuriating. Um, but knowing Brian's day, um, you know, maybe, maybe that wouldn't have worked out. It was one of those days for him. Um, but also, I think we'll probably get on to it. But I, I've been hearing, and this is more your domain, because I think it was in your stand, that the stewards also maybe didn't have a the greatest day in terms of people standing up and sitting down and all the rest of it, too. So uh, we can talk about that in a little bit. But let's let's have a joint um, stinker between the ref and the stewards then. OK, so uh, and, and the marks out of 10? Uh, well, yeah, I mean... Probably a seven in terms of stinkiness again, I think. That sounds about right. Seven for a joint stinkiness. And that's interesting that you said that song because we didn't talk before the podcast because this has been done very, very early on Sunday morning. And uh, I've got a stinker. So you've allowed me to, to, to give one of my stinkers as the stinker because I actually brought up the fact that the stewards were actually telling people to sit in the West Stand, which if people out there, they know that the West Stand was actually kind of sold on the premise, even though was officially you're not really allowed to that is going to be the standing it's going to be the Ealing Road end of Brentford so everyone goes there everyone stands and that's what you do but we've got stewards we've seen stewards telling people to actively telling them to sit down uh, in front of us you know down in the West End lower and then also beside me I had uh, members of the Besotted crew as well had uh, people the stewards telling them to sit down in the West End upper as well and I think also at the back in the West End Alliance area as well stewards are telling people to sit down so there's obviously been some sort of lack of communication or there's been something going on but basically, the fact that stewards are actively telling us to sit down and it's causing a few kerfuffles, I would say, that's not good at all. So, but you know, that's you've, you've obviously thrown that into the pot, but before we let people know that we're not happy about that, obviously, I think the club was going to be aware of that to try and erect that, um, to correct that. For me, 
the stinker was actually, uh, and again, this is a solidarity with uh, all football fans. Uh, my Arsenal chums told me, you know, you know, that's a terrible game for us and we just wanted solid, so we wanted to go behind and have a drink. We couldn't get a drink in the Arsenal game and they actually wrote things on their blogs and talked about it on their podcast that, you know, Brentford, they've got this brand new stadium, but you're not allowed to drink. I know that we, the away fans weren't allowed to drink at Griffin Park because there were no toilets there, so it made a bit of a problem if you got sort of, you know, 1,800 fans all been drinking and then there's no lose. It causes a problem. So I kind of understood that. However, new stadium, uh, the way fans not being allowed to drink isn't great. So the Brighton fans as well have been moaning about the fact that they weren't allowed to have a drink. My personal opinion, I think Lane and everyone else, is that fans should be treated as you want to be treated when you go away. So if we go away, we should be expect treated in a certain way. If we go to Brighton, we wouldn't expect not to be given a beer. So if Brighton fans come down, they should be giving us a beer as well. So this is my stinker of the match, as far as I'm concerned. I think that, you know, the football fans should be treated as one. And the fact that the Brighton fans weren't allowed a beer, or any away fans aren't allowed a beer, because they believe that fans behave better, or opposition fans behave better if they haven't got a drink, that's not quite the one for me. So I'm going to give that a massive break beat 9 out of 10 on the stinky front. Key moment, Simon. Uh, key moment was... was- I mean, there was a, probably a, a few where, where um, I think Brian probably on another day would have scored. Uh, and that was probably the, the key moment for me. I mean, it's hard when there's a last-minute winner not to pick the last-minute winner as the key moment. But I think probably one of one of Brian's chances probably counts for, for us. So that, that would be what I'd choose. I mean, I think if he if he takes one of them early, I think it's a different game. So, so, so Brian... I mean, the thing is that he had three, probably three really good chances. And... You know, which which one was for you as the most key? Well, I suppose there was that one which I think, you know, sort of some of them he just sort of, you know, leaned back, I think, on a couple of them. But there was one which you've seen him score a million times before where he tried to bend it in the far corner. And I think um, you've seen him score that goal a few times. So maybe if he had taken that, I think that would have been just, that would have been the big change okay. in the game. Laney, uh, your key moment? For me, <clears throat> um, Ivan Tony's lob that just went over. I, I think if that goes in, Brentford know that a lot of things are going to go their way for the rest of the afternoon. I think if that goes in, one of them, Boimos, goes in, Yanelts goes in, you know that it's going to, you know, someone's smiling at you somewhere because it was just the most perfectly, well, almost perfectly audacitate um, chip. He, he saw him off his line. Um, and he and he was brave enough and confident enough to go for it. Uh, I think you know, another day, a little bit further out, a little bit of more of a, a, a poorer connection, perhaps, and that and that just goes underneath the crossbar. But yeah, brilliant for trying it. And uh, as I say, the key moment is if that goes in, I think we we go on and we win that game because other chances are going to be going our way too. I mean, that, that, I mean, that was that was a pretty amazing shot. I mean, I thought because he did it, he didn't even sort of kind of think about it when he got the ball. He knew it's almost like he knew what he was doing when the ball was, you know, was going to come to it, didn't he? He just it was just it was just re- almost like reflex. And uh, probably, if anything, it's probably a little bit of a gutter that he was actually as close as he was to the goal, and he was probably about what thirty five yards from the goal. If he was like thirty eight yards or something like that, that would have gone in the back of the net. But uh, it probably goes to show you how. What a clever player he is, and and do you think that sort of sums up that? Because he, he has only scored one goal so far, that he's been a bit unlucky, lady. Uh possibly. I mean, he's he's drifting into areas where he probably wouldn't want the ball, um, and we're relying on him to win everything in the air to knock down 
um, and he's and he's doing that. But we're not kind of getting the knockdowns on the edge of the area. Um, and as, as good as Mbwemo is, sometimes he doesn't look like a, a second striker. Whereas Marcus Force possibly he's, he's got more of that kind of uh, striker instinct, or he's you know he's played that role uh, all the way through his career. Mbwemo's strength is kind of drifting in from from wide positions still isn't it so uh you know we're still learning um i'd like to see the pair of them slightly closer perhaps but you know it's that it's that width and being able to get the ball wide which is one of our supreme strengths so yeah i don't i don't think tony's kind of getting the service from other people that that we need him to get but he's providing the service for others which you know he is an all-rounder but if we want to see him score goals um we're going to need him getting perfectly pinpointed balls to his head or to his feet in in the danger area we haven't seen enough of that for me the key moment actually i i believe the key moment was actually the substitutions and, that, and that's going a little bit like, as you say, which substitution? I, I think Bam, Baptiste came off first, then Canos, then Yanelt. But it's a sort of kind of, I think it's a culmination of all those because when they came off, you know, particularly we've talked about Yanelt being the key player, you know, we lost a bit of energy, we lost a bit of drive, you know, and this is not a disrespect on the players that come on because, you know, the players come on and they do a good job. But you notice that we've talked about that for weeks and weeks, how we do change and whether or not sort of kind of our, you know, strength and depth is, is as much as it is, whether or not our fitness is as, as, as what it should be, you know, whether or not we just are unlucky because we, you know, changed the game up. Did the substitutions change the game up for us? So when those three came on, I noticed that that's when Brighton also started to come to the game. And maybe for Brighton, being a statsy team like us, they knew that we we're going to make our substitutions at a particular time. They knew that, you know, we we're going to be taking off key players. And that's when they actually sort of decided to kind of up their game. Because if you notice, when they got that goal, they almost like started to put in a, a burst of energy. Whereas beforehand, like five or ten minutes before, they looked like they'd given up. But all of a sudden, it's like they went wham, and then they went bang, 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 last minute, but bit of energy. We probably had a little bit of tired legs on there. Couldn't quite put the tackles in and they scored the goal. So that, for me, was the key moment. So, But, you know, on the flip side of it, we are only four games in. You know, we are going to talk about the league positions in a minute. But, you know, the positives for Brentford, Laney? Uh, positives for me is the defence. Um, it, 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 in all four games so far, we've looked solid, uh, organised, well-marshaled, uh, on the same wavelength. They know what they're doing. They hold their line. They don't get caught necessarily out of out of position too often I think even when Rosliff came on um, it's a big ask for for what was a B team player last year to, to be a premiership player this year and um, I, I think yeah he, he didn't he didn't look a weak link at all I didn't think um, so yeah I, for me the positive is the defense the other positive um, if I'm allowed to quickly was the reaction from the crowd after the final whistle. Um, a lot of the West End stood back, um, waited, and I, I thought it was a very loud um, uh, uh, ovation, applause. So, yeah, it, it doesn't look like the spirit has been too affected by a defeat. And Simon? So I, I think people before the season started said we would be in a relegation dogfight. And some of the one of the teams they named was Brighton. But actually, I think if you look at last season, they were really unlucky. And if you look at, if you do believe in the stats, they should have been much higher up the table than they actually were. So, and I think Frank agreed with that because he said that this was going to be the toughest challenge that we've we've had. And in every single game we've played, we've had, if you look again at XG, we've had a better XG than our opponents. We've been in every single game. And if we continue to be in every single game and continue to be 
better than the the people we play, you'd expect us to to stay up quite comfortably. So I think this showed that we we're able to hang with a team which is of a slightly higher level of quality than some of the ones we've played so far. Um, and equally, I think seeing Mads come on and actually do all right, I think was really reassuring after the Forest Green Rovers game. So I think there's um I think there's a lot of positives to take from that to say that on another day we might have won that and Brighton are actually a pretty good team. Okay, and for me, the positives is uh, Shandon Baptiste playing or starting his first game for Brentford this season. Obviously, he had massive injuries last season. We weren't sure when and if he's going to come back, but he came back and I thought that he was magnificent. He looked like he can definitely hold his own in the Premier League and he's another option for us. And uh, again, maybe with a few more games under his belt, he'll actually have even more contribution, you know. But like I said to you, he was, uh, he's, he's, he's been seen by some of us as being sort of the key player, you know. So I think for me, Shandon Baptiste actually being part of this team and knowing that he's going to really contribute and we can switch things up with him is a, a massive positive for the bees. You know, obviously we hit the goal in the last minute. So, uh, what other things that you think that we need to look out for, Laney? So it's something I mentioned um, a couple of weeks back. I think it was like the accruing of of yellow cards. Um, I, I think I was I was surprised that Brian and Buemo got booked yesterday i thought that was that was a, that was harsh because there was there was a couple other you know there's a couple of brighton players got away with what i considered were equally bad bad with bunny ears or or worse um so that was part of the inconsistency um i, I, I don't i don't think we should stop getting up in their faces um ragging on their asses because um you know that's that again is part of our edge but we are going to get suspensions uh uh, quite soon and I'm not sure we we really we really we go sustainably novice re- really want to get players suspended I thought Tony um is his reaction to Morpe um after they scored that on another day that's that's a booking for him as well so so sorry later what happened with uh, um, Tony Morpe as well it looked like that Morpe was just kind of just really delaying getting back so we could restart the game and, and it looked like they said words and then it looked like uh, Tony had manhandled him back into his half and uh, obviously Morpe being being uh, Professor Shithouse he he <laughs> he was going to make the most of it and it, and it kind of rumbled on a bit um, and you know I thought then Tony went in slightly late on him when when he was trying to run run the uh, the ball out in the in the corner and I think there was word so uh, uh, yeah I, I kind of get the first incident um, but the, the 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 afters and the afters after that, we don't we don't need Tony picking up yellow cards again. I'm not I'm not getting all headmaster because you know that's a massive part of his game, and, and you do want to see your players um, caring like that and 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 not not being bullied. But you know it is gonna it is gonna add up to needless yellow cards. We've got to be very clever in that department. I think Simon. Uh, so I think in terms of things to look out for, I think obviously sort of does Baptiste get a run in that position going forward? I think it's an interesting question because Frank, I think, is recovering from COVID. It was my understanding. So we're not sure when he'll be back. But I think Baptiste made a uh, a statement that he could he could play there and potentially push up a bit into that kind of 8-10 role and be a bit more supportive of the front two, which might mean we might be a bit more creative. So I'd like to see whether Shandon gets a run in, in that position. Sorry, just to interrupt you, but Frank did come on, uh, you know, for the last 10, 15 minutes, though, you know, and he, and he was doing his running around Frank the Tank thing. So uh, yeah. he is back. So it's kind of, what, where, where is that balance, though, isn't it? 
Exactly. Who, so would, who would you put? Who would you put in? Well, I mean, a lot of it is about stuff we don't know, right? So it's it's does are they giving Frank ten minutes because they're easing him back into it and they're just building him up back up to be the regular starter and Shandon's filling in, or is there an actual battle for that position? And I think Shandon did nothing to lose the shirt, and you always do that thing about if there's someone who's putting a good shift, you don't want to drop him because that creates competition throughout the squad. So I'd, I'd stick with Shandon until he gives us a reason to put Frank back in, even though Frank looked excellent um, since he's been in a Brentford shirt. So that's that's okay. what. And, I'd and the other thing. And, um, and the other thing, because you had another little point, didn't you? Yeah, which which was just, I, I suppose, if um, the way we play is is uh, you know sort of uh, either are we looking at to score a set piece goal or something like that, or we're looking at Ivan to flick stuff on to Brian, or for us to counter press, and that's normally Brian's our best at counter pressing to try and get it on goal with Brian's sort of um, you know sort of maybe lack of finishing compared to sort of a force or someone else. I'm just wondering whether whether what happens to Wisser because. He's clearly got a bit more of a pedigree in terms of perhaps finishing some of those chances, but doesn't have the same sort of closing down ability so far that Brian has. And so I wonder whether if we see a couple more performances where Brian does everything but score, whether we might see either Wisser come in or a slight change of shape. Because one of the reasons Ivan's not scoring open play goals is we don't have those two wide players cutting balls back for him. And he scored so many goals last season with you know, Sergio or Brian or someone getting to the byline and cutting it back. But the way we play with two up top, that's not really going to happen. So you need you need your second striker like Brian actually being able to get on the end of those flick-ons and actually sort of hit the back of the net. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. Not not soon, but maybe in a in a game or two. Do you think that maybe Wiesa should have come on as one of the subs instead of someone else, maybe, to, 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 to give that edge? I think so. I mean, I think the way we play is obviously the sort of obvious thing is to sort of Get, take off one of the three centre midfielders because they put in such a shift in that they're likely to get tired, which means you're likely to unlikely perhaps to um, to sub someone off. But I think Wizard probably could have had a run to try and get a goal. Yeah. Okay. And for me, I've said it enough times, but it's the fitness of Brentford. It's the fact that we actually kind of lose that energy after we get our subs, and people can actually take advantage. So for me, that's the thing that we need to watch out for, and I think obviously we'll try and build on that in the season. Home game, so no away day to talk about. But still, it's a day out. It's a day out for Brentford fans. It's a day out for Brighton fans. So give us your fans' marks out of 10. Laney? Uh, for Brighton, poor. Um, they The only time I really heard them was after they scored, which was the 90th minute. Um, the noise they made then was pretty impressive. Uh, I didn't see... I, I bumped into a few lads in back in the pub afterwards. They were fine-ish. Um, obviously they're a little bit bravado because they'd won which is fine it's their prerogative uh, so Brighton fans I'd give four um, Br- uh, Brentford fans um, I would give seven I thought that the noise wasn't as was high as the, the Arsenal game but you know there's, there's reasons for that um, we'd obviously scored <laughs> early and scored another one you know, in the second half so yeah, a, goal, a goal would have lifted the crowd I think so yeah Brent, Brentford fans I'd give seven out of ten okay and uh, Simon uh, I'd also give Brentford a seven out of ten. I think probably the stewards might have had a hand in in maybe that being lower than it would have been otherwise. But I think daytime uh, game after the euphoria of the Arsenal game, after another couple of results, there was always the danger this might be a bit quieter. But I actually was quite surprised. We I think had some good energy, but it could have been higher if the stewards hadn't stopped us from standing up okay. and singing. So uh, out of ten, seven seven out of ten as well. I think for me. Seven out of ten. And interesting because you're closer to the Brighton fans. I'm just wondering what were the Brighton fans from a, from a different stand? What was their what was their vibe? I mean, you still couldn't hear them much. I mean, it's uh, it wasn't just that you were singing over them. I mean, they they weren't the the, the loudest. 
Um, possibly because I hadn't had a drink or two. Maybe that was the maybe that was the answer. <laughs> okay, all right. Maybe I retract my stinker then. Actually, <laughs> no, no, I still I still stand by it. But for me, uh, I thought the Beast fans seven out of ten. I think it's, this was is a typical game because we're going to get games throughout the season when you play teams like. And again, this is not teams like not, but they are, I'm saying it like Norwiches, maybe like your Burnleys, which you know you don't necessarily get as hyped up as when you play teams like Fulham or you know Arsenal or maybe Man United. So you know the excitement is there. So it's games that we actually need to win on the terraces as well as in the stand. And I think this is the one it was a real tester to see what the fans are like and I think we were there in fits and starts and we did have some bouts of singing and uh, bouts of loudness in the West End the, the stewards did not help it no not at all but I think we were right 7 out of 10 for me the Brighton fans it's difficult because I saw them jumping up and down and making noise and such 6 out of 10 also I spoke quite a lot to the lads they're actually on the post-match podcast if you listen to it Pride of London. they spoke quite a lot about Brentford and actually gave us a lot of props on there as well so for that I'm actually going to give the Brighton fans 7 out of 10 because I thought that they were friendly they they, they like to never laugh, you know, Kevin Maguire and all the AD and all the, you know, Brighton Roar and the Brighton, um, you know, all the podcast guys, they've been good and they're very, very, you know, friendly. So for me, I'm going to give them a good old seven out of 10 for that as well over in general. Just quickly, we need to do a, a, a league recap just to see where we are. You know, we are 10th in the league. Things are, you know, looking at that, and it just goes to show you, you know, where I was 10th in the league, we're above Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, Wolverhampton Wanderers, who we play next week, you know, who have got three points, Southampton on three points. Overall, actually, it's not looking as bad as you may think, especially after a, uh, after a loss, is it, Laney? No, it isn't. Um, the, 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 the five points we got in the first phase of matches is, was, you know, they're, they're worth their weight in gold at the moment. You know, just look at Norwich. That's their fourth straight defeat. You know, it's it, it's that's so depressing. You know, you just thank God that that's not us, because you'd just be. I think you'd be resigned yourself to probably relegation already. I know it's a huge amount to go, but it shows. You know, you're 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 out of your depth if you're not picking up those points. The game for me before the before ours was the, the Palace three um, Tottenham nil. That was a bit of an eye opener as well. It made our result. At Selhurst Park look a lot better, um, and uh, it's it. It wasn't the result I wanted. I mean, you don't. I I put Palace in in the group of teams around us. You, you don't want them picking up points. So uh, yeah, but then fair fair play to them. Um, and then Watford Watford lost again. So uh, you know we we want to see that every week. Yeah, yeah, and, and and just from that Palace game, just looking at it, also chances wise, because obviously you know there's only one team that has got an XG over one, and that's Arsenal that we played against actually, and we thought that Arsenal were probably not the best, but they're the team that have actually created the best chances. Crystal Palace uh, had an XG of nearly three against Tottenham, like, you know what I'm saying? So they had, they had a plethora of chances. I mean, I, I know there's a penalty involved there as well, but still they had a plethora of chances. So it just goes to show you probably how we actually may have um, underestimated how well we did to contain that Palace team. I mean, Simon. And just looking at the results, you know, we're talking about Arsenal 1, Norwich nil. I mean, they, they snuck a win against Norwich, even though looking at the chances, they probably should have actually scored a few more as well. You're talking about Newcastle um, losing 4-1 to Man United, you're losing Southampton drawing, you know, you know, the, the results actually for us, and it's very early in the season, actually don't look too bad, do they? No, and, and people talk about the tiers in the Premier League. And I think in terms of the tiers, which we should be most worried about is that bottom tier of that kind of group which we're competing with and want to make sure that we're doing better than. And, you know, with Norwich, Newcastle and Watford all losing, we didn't they didn't gain any ground on us. And we already had a decent start of the season. So I think that's that's the main takeaway. And you know, Burnley weren't playing either, but um, you know, so they didn't gain any ground on us either. So I think uh, in terms of sort of most of the results, I think the Palace one, as you say, is the only one which jumped out and otherwise things went all right for us, I think. They did. So look, didn't win? 
but we're still in the game, as they say. Just give us briefly your summing up, Laney. Summing up, um, let's not get too down in the dumps over it. Um, it's it literally has to be put down as as learning curve. And some fans will will hear that and go jumpy up and down and go, oh, should have won, got to take shot. Yeah, we know all of that. Um, but we are Brentford in our first. Uh, season in at this level um you, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to be philosophical about it if you think we're gonna be challenging for europe um you probably need your head tested if you think we're gonna win it you probably definitely need your head tested um we we, we know where we are um we know where probably hopefully we're gonna finish that's where we hope right in the middle somewhere and if you're gonna be right in the middle somewhere that means you're gonna draw a lot you're going to lose a fair number and you're going to win not as many as you draw and you and, and, and you lose. So, you know, let's 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 keep on getting behind the team and, and spurring them on. They need all the encouragement they get. They can get, especially in these next few games, especially at Wolves away. If you haven't got a ticket, you can go go. I think it, what, what it showed, I think, is maybe barring the top six who we haven't really had a, a chance to to play yet we're going to be in every single game we play i think in this league and if we do that and we compete and we're going to be ahead on xg and just you know lose to the occasional unlucky goal or maybe get a deflected winner or whatever we're going to be fine and so i think this is just saying that you know you've got to not get too low with the lows and and when we get a bit of a lucky win don't think we're the best thing ever so i think in summing up you know sort of we've got to take our chances but there was a lot to to not be too depressed about in terms of that in terms of perhaps even maybe being the better side and being unlucky not to get a result and for me, I mean, the summing up, I mean, if you just look at the game itself, you know, for Brighton, you know, they were deemed as having actually no significant strengths in that game, you know, and they gave a lot of free kicks around the box. So they were deemed as being not really in that game as such. OK, they did. This is not disrespect to them. This is just, you know, even the Brighton fans said so. And for Brentford, you know, we uh, OK, we stole the ball a lot from them, you know, but we didn't finish and we lost possession often. So and what I've noticed is that we actually didn't lose possession a lot beforehand. We weren't just giving the ball away in midfield, but we did do that as well. And also, our finishing is poor at the end of the day you know you do have off games and I think we got to put that down to an off game I said like I said to you it's a must win game you know I said it with tongue in cheek slightly but I do believe that we should have won that game whether or not it's at the beginning of the season and the end of the season we didn't do we just have to go back and do it again but it shows that we've got the tools to do that so I'm confident with that so let's just put that down as an off day and put it behind us and let's put forward to Wolves and let's be positive so, there you go. This is the Besotted Pride of West London Weekend Review. Thank you very much, chaps, for that, because I feel a lot better getting that off my chest. We, uh, it's good, isn't it? It's nice, it's nice just to kind of have a sun, Sunday kind of cathartic chat through. That's, that's right. And like I said to you, you, you know, we're looking at this not massively analytically, because we'll actually have a look at that more on the Thursday podcast when we've got, you know, the spreadsheet winker. Will the spreadsheet winker will be down numbers for us you know we've got JB actually picking us up with his, his facts and his funk we'll also be speaking to a Wolves fan as well who'll be giving us the lowdown on Wolves but for now just to just to to, 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 to low down and to hone down on a few of the issues after you know because the thing about it Lane is in the pub afterwards it was a weird feeling wasn't it because we thought we haven't had this feeling for for over two years of having a drink and trying to speak to your mates to kind of get that loss feeling out of you it was really strange wasn't it yeah, it, it was. Um, you know, I hope we hope we don't feel it again um, for a, for a few more weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, the power of a beer, a pub, and a chat post match it came into its own yesterday. Because I know when I left the pub to come home, I felt a lot better than I did when I walked in. 
Right, okay. So there you go. So listen, don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcast channels. You can, uh, you can, well, if you'd like to, you like what we're doing, just buy us a beer, besotted.com forward slash beer. We'd like to thank you. everyone who's contributed. Saw the Francis man as well yesterday, and I said to you, pick up, you know, we're going to, uh, well, we'll be talking to you all of you lot as well for, for, for helping us and supporting us as well. Thursday podcast, just check it out, Wolverhampton Wanderers. But other than that, like I said to you, my name's Billy Grant, and we've got Lenny Man in the house. Good afternoon. And we've got the Simon the Redford in the house. See ya. <laughs> and like I said to you, we'll catch you uh, later on the week. Pride of West. London is safe because we're very having a good time. Come on, you Come on, you bees. You bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.